Son of the living God, to be the glory forever. Amen. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary and the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercies on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud. In the imagination of their hearts, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Glory be to God forever. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. As we've been mentioning during the month of Kiyak, we read the first chapter from the Gospel of St. Luke. And the first Sunday we read the Annunciation of the birth of St. John the Baptist. And last week we read the Annunciation of our Lord Jesus Christ to St. Mary. Today, the third week, third Sunday of Kiyak, we read about the visitation of St. Mary to Elizabeth. So St. Mary hearing that uh, Elizabeth is pregnant, her being old and maybe needing uh, some help, she went and decided to go and greet her cousin and spend time with her up until she had St. John the Baptist. And if we notice when they greeted one another, Elizabeth praises her and St. Mary responds with uh, a praise to God. And what I wanted to see or meditate on a few minutes today is part of St. Mary's praise. She says towards the uh, middle part of her praise, she says, He shows mercy from generation to generation. She has mercy on those who fear Him from generation to generation. So that sentence, if you want to maybe state it in a different way, the people who receive mercy are those who fear the Lord. Or people who fear the Lord are the people who receive mercy. So then the opposite also is true. Those who don't fear the Lord don't receive mercy. So a necessary quality in the life of a disciple of God is fear of the Lord. 
Actually, this is true of any sort of uh, servant in any sort of relationship. I should have a, a level of, uh, of fear. Uh, and we are being servants of God. I should have uh, the fear of the Lord. David says in the Psalms, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who obey His commandments will grow in wisdom. We can be full of sayings and of Scripture pointing us to the necessity of fearing the Lord. We find many, many Scriptures talking about the necessity of fearing the Lord. But it is not going to happen unless we first change the behaviors in our lives. How do we gain great joy in the Lord? How do we be real followers of Him to have mercy that He's, looking, that he's talking about or that St. Mary is speaking about in her praise? His mercy on those who fear Him from generation to generation. Our Lord Jesus Christ, He actually gives us a hint about this. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15, He says, I have loved you even as the Father loved me. Remain in my love. So how can I remain in the love of God? So that I can obtain His mercy. He says later in that same chapter, When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in His love. So remaining in the love of, of God means being obedient to God. How do I know from being obedient to God? How do I know from being obedient to God? I need to, at least first and foremost, read His Word so that I can be aware if I'm obedient to Him or not. In that same chapter, He says, I have told you these things so that you will be filled with My joy, so that your joy can overflow. Everybody knows what it takes to be filled with the joy of God because He says, this is My commandment. Love each other the same way that I've loved you. Maybe the point we have where it starts to be having a little bit of trouble being obedient to God because He starts to tell us what does it mean really to love others? Especially to love others as He loves us. He says there's no greater love than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. I have to be willing to lay down my life so that someone else can live. Ultimate sacrifice, ultimate example of selflessness. He says, he continues in that same chapter, You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves, because a master does not confide in his slaves. You are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. That's actually where our position in front of God changes. We are not just servants, but we are, like St. Paul says, joint heirs in the kingdom of God. He's confiding in his disciples, telling them everything about the heavenly kingdom. The things of the kingdom, the things we need to know to please God. And it begins with disobedience. St. Mary knew this. St. Mary knew that mercy is contingent on having the fear of God. It begins with our obedience to Him. He says also in the Gospel of St. John, You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. I am not the one who chose to follow God all by myself. He called me. He called me and chose me. And that's why he has an expectation that I'm able to produce fruit. Am I producing fruit like the Master is commanding me? If I love people the way that Christ did, I can be producing fruit. There's no qualifiers, no exceptions, no excuses. If I really fear the Lord, if I really received His mercy, then I'm going to be obedient to His commands, all of His commands, even the ones we don't like. A lot of times we, we tend to pick and choose, especially when we're reading scripture, and we think to ourselves, okay, this command is too hard. I'm not going to be able to do this. 
God says, keep the Sabbath holy. I'm not able to do that. Or at least I'm not able to do that always. God tells me, love my enemies, but I have some people that I will not reconcile. God says, forgive. But there are some people I'm unable to forgive. God says that I shouldn't be controlled by my anger, but I allow my anger to control me. Many things, many commands, and all of us have those certain commands that rub us the wrong way because they're difficult for us. But St. Mary is, is reminding us that God is willing to extend His mercy, but it begins with the fear of God. His mercy is on those who fear Him from generation to generation. The next thing she says, He has shown, the strength, he has shown strength with His arm, He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. When, he says, when she says, He has shown strength with His arm and scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts, maybe what comes to some of our minds is a picture of God and His work with the people in the book of Exodus. He says in the scripture, and we repeat it actually in the Midnight Praises, talking about the mighty arm of, or the outstretched arm of God working to save the Israelites from the oppression and slavery of Egypt. And actually he repeats it in the Old Testament. He says, do you remember how I took you out of Egypt with a, with a strong arm, with an outstretched arm, mighty hand and outstretched arm? And actually Moses himself, the representative of God, every time he went to Pharaoh, what did he do? He stretched out his arm to bring out one of the plagues. It was as if, as if God's arm is stretched out in order to bring the plagues on the Egyptians. He outstretched his arm finally in the Red Sea to, to, to part the Red Sea. But the part that I wanted to kind of highlight in this verse, he has shown strength with his arm, he has scattered the proud in the imagination of, his heart, of their hearts. So this salvation, this strength that he has with his arm comes with also judgment. God is said to scatter his enemies. Enemies of God are those who are infused with pride. Scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. People have pride, people have self-confidence, and only in themselves and not in God. And so I need to ask myself this question. Am I a part of the group that is relying on the strength of God in my life, in the troubles that I'm running into, in the sins that I'm wanting to overcome, in the virtues that I'm trying to obtain? Or am I part of the proud that God is going to scatter in the imagination of their hearts? It really takes some time for me to examine myself, to think about for myself, am I part of the group of the people who are scattered? If you think about the, the, the nations that, that God overturned in order to save the Israelites, you think about like Pharaoh, do you think he thought to himself, I'm weak? Do you think he thought to himself, I'm in need of assistance? Do you think he thought to himself, I am in need of help? No. He was strong. He had an army. He had all the things that, by worldly calculations, would make perfect sense that there would be un that the Israelites would be unable to do anything. But when God was with them, none of that mattered. So I should ask myself: Do I rely on the strength of God and His outstretched arm, or am I part of the group that He's going to scatter in judgment? And if I am, I am in need of repentance. Finally. St. Mary says, He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. 
the overthrowing of, of rulers who do not obey God's will is a sign of his, uh, of his power at work throughout history. The overthrow that's happening here is ascribed to the hand of the Messiah, right? Christ is going to overthrow all rulers and He's going to be the King of kings and Lord of lords. God is being sent to judge the people of Israel and all the nations that conquered them or will conquer them, the whole entire earth. Now it is Christ, maybe not in His first coming, but His second coming, who will depose princes from their thrones. And St. Mary contrasts this, the mighty people, the proud, the haughty, the princes, the overthrown, they're, they're all going to be overthrown, the humble people are going to be exalted. So you need to understand that God is not limiting the exaltation of the humble, just about, He's not talking just about Israel. Is it, one way to read this or one way to understand this is, the people of Israel, the rulers of the people of Israel have become proud. They think, I'm God's, we're part of God's chosen people. We're the holy people of God. No one else can hold a candle to us. They're proud. And this is true. And Christ did come to upend that understanding. But it wasn't just about the people of Israel. He's exalting or willing to exalt the humble of all nations. He will lift up the humble of all nations at the hands of any rulers, especially the greatest uh, oppressor was Satan himself. Just before our Lord Jesus Christ begins his condemnation of the Pharisees in, in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 23, he tells his disciples, don't compare yourselves to the Pharisees. He warns them, don't copy their behavior. Because he says, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. In St. Mary's praise, she's speaking historically. In, in verse 49, when she said, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, he talks about what God has done for her. In, in verses 50, 51, 52, the ones that we read this morning, she lists the things that God has done in the past to show Himself strong to the leaders of the nations, including Israel and Judah by deposing people and lifting up the humble. It reminds us, for example, of how God acted and, 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 and was present with the people of Israel during the Babylonian captivity, when the people were ruled by Nebuchadnezzar in the... In the Book of Daniel chapter 4, it talks about the king having a dream. And in the dream which Daniel interprets, he learns that there's Nebuchadnezzar is going to undergo a period of insanity because of his pride and his arrogance. Listen when it says in Daniel chapter 4, But all these things did happen to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later he was talking on the, taking a walk on the flat roof of the royal palace in Babylon. And he looked up across the city He said, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power I have built this city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. What is Nebuchadnezzar saying? He's saying, I did all of this. Look at this amazing place that I have created. Look at everything that is at the tip of my fingers. And it says, while these words were still in his mouth, a voice called down from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You'll be driven from human society. You will live in the field with wild animals. You will eat grass like a cow. Seven periods of time will pass while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone He chooses. Then in verse 34, we see that Nebuchadnezzar starts to understand who actually placed him on the throne of Babylon. It says, After this time had passed, I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven. My sanity returned and I praised the worshipped the Most High and honored the one who lives forever. 
How many of us fall into the same trap that Nebuchadnezzar fell into? I have created for myself my kingdom, my family, my household, my possessions, my career. And I think I've created all of these things on my own. And I've done it. I have no need for God. Many times when we fall into tribulation, we think to ourselves, you know, why does God put me into tribulations? But the fact of the matter is, unless we have tribulations from time to time, we, we begin to think to ourselves and we fall into this pattern of pride. It's a very common thing. St. Mary, though she did not fall into this, St. Mary knew who was responsible for any ruler being on the throne, any throne. And this is not just about literal rulers. Most of us have authority over someone or some things. At the very least, we have authority over our own selves and our decisions. So how about ourselves? Do I find myself exalting myself or humbling myself? Am I proud of my accomplishments where I stand in, in, in the grand scheme of things according to the world? Or am I like St. Mary, quick to praise God? St. Mary had every reason to be proud, every reason to just accept the praise of St. Elizabeth and say, yes, of course, I'm so great, of course. God chose me. But what did she do? The first thing she did and what she continued to do throughout her life to give praise to God, to give Him credit for the way He has moved all the way throughout recorded history and in her life to bring down the exalted and to lift up the humble. If anyone has a place or a space to be proud of St. Mary, so St. Mary gives us the example. If St. Mary, in all the, the greatness and the splendor that God has bestowed on her, has an attitude of humility, how much more should we have the same attitude? Both when bad things happen to us, it's easy for us to be humble when we're in trials and tribulations, but also when we have happiness, when we have good things, when we make accomplishments, to remember to give thanks to God. So we remember these lessons from the, the praise of St. Mary. May we live our life always as a praise, like the praise of St. Mary, and glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. We exalt you, Lord, uh...